Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, my director's resigning, chapter one, never counteroffer, part three, and I promise <laughs> the end. <laughs> Here we go. For those of you who are with us for parts one and two, you might be surprised a little bit because we don't have Mark on today's show. We've asked Danny to step in and share her, her thoughts on this, on this stuff. Hi, everybody. The reason being is Mark is overseas with a poor internet connection and we can't record the show. <laughs> so, so Danny, as always, is going to do a great job for us here. So Danny, thank you for, for joining me today. Absolutely. Very, very glad to be here. Always. And so to give you some context, Danny, where we finished off with Mark uh, last show was we were talking about our, our point six in our <laughs> several page <laughs> outline about don't make a counteroffer, right? And that really is the heart of the matter of this particular show. And we recommend that you don't counteroffer. And there are three main reasons. One being the likelihood of success is low. The cost benefit analysis is not great. And there's potential of some relationship damage. And we talked about the likelihood of success being low you know, they just don't, they just don't work very right, often. And, right. and if they work in the short term, there are long-term consequences and they really don't work in the long term. And uh, even if they do work in the short term, you've expended some of your political capital, some of your relationship power, so to speak, with other, with other people in the firm to get that counter offer. That's right. Just makes it a bad idea. Yeah, right? I mean, absolutely. it's just, so, you know, the cost benefit analysis just, just suggests that, it's not worth making a counteroffer. It's just not a, a wise choice. Yeah, you're taking all the risk with your relationships and you're not sure that you're going to get a return on that risk, right. which is not <laughs> smart. Right. Yeah, and, and you probably And won't. you have to keep working with these people that you're taking this risk with. There you go. And then there's relationship damage. And that's where we left off. We didn't, we didn't get into that with Mark. So. Ah, great. For me, when I was reading the show notes, this part was, was one of the parts that was the most powerful for me. Perhaps that's because of my whole high eye tendency. So relationship damage. So there are a couple of possible choices that you can make about counteroffers, right? You can make one or you cannot. So two possible choices. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Because I was confused about, I was confused about that. <laughs> couple means two. And so there are two possible outcomes. They're either going to they're going to take the counter offer, they're going to stay or they're going to go. They're going to go with the other organization that they got the other offer for. So I, I sense like a two by two matrix coming up or something like that. Right? <laughs> That's why you're the founder, co-founder. <laughs> so we do. We have four possible outcomes. So uh, I think it'd be helpful if we kind of looked at each one of those and talked through them. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the first possible outcome is you don't make a counter and the direct stays. This is the best outcome, right? Because you're not using that political capital that we talked about. You're not taking the risk and you get the benefit of the direct staying. Of course, this is dependent on us making a clear case to our direct why we're not making a counter offer to them. And it requires the direct accepting that case. So again, we've avoided the loss of the employee. We did not spend that political capital and we haven't caused our compensation uh, budget to increase. We haven't caused the organization to have to spend more money. And lest you think this is this never happens and, and we're just being a little bit Pollyanna with rose-colored glasses, it's really not as rare as most folks might think. Now, it's not easy to do, uh, but it does happen. I've never had it happen to me personally, but I've heard of, I've talked with other managers who have had it happen. And probably the reason it didn't happen to me is because I didn't do as good of a job with it as this 
<laughs> as the podcast laid out. But everybody listening is now is, is now ready. Can do better than I can. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yes. Uh, so if the direct stays and you do not counter, right, so they stay without that counter, then you have, I'm sorry, then they have made a decision to continue to believe in the relationship that they have with us as the manager. So it does no damage to the relationship. The real question here is whether or not the relationship is going to improve after this interaction, the offer, counter offer. But that's really up to us as the manager much more than it's up to the direct. And yeah. if you're unclear by what we mean by that, then you might want to re-listen to the podcast on one-on-ones and, and why we do one-on-ones and the impact that our role power has on our relationship with our directs. Yeah, the net of all that is that the relationship is what what wins here? Absolutely. So this is a net net win. So this is a good this is a good scenario if this great if this yeah works out, right and, yeah best scenario. And if you do one on ones and you have great relationships with your, with your directs, then this is a more likely outcome. Absolutely. If you have a, a poor relationship, then I don't know. Well, maybe, the the issue isn't the 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 offer counter offer argument. The issue is you don't have as good a relationship as you you ought to. Absolutely. Next possible outcome is you do not counter, no counter, and the direct leaves. This is probably the situation that most of us fear the most. Now, granted, it's a bit of a short-sighted fear because it's the fear of I'm now going to have an open position and work's not going to be getting done. I have to go and hire and all of that. And that fear is probably, in our experience, what drives counter offers the most. It's us as managers wanting to avoid that short-term pain by throwing a Band-Aid on it in the form of more, more compensation. And in a way, this is the direct calling our bluff, so to speak. But if we have made a case to our direct that it's not about money and the direct leaves because of money, then really it's just a simple disagreement between us and our direct about the kind of relationship we want to have. The direct who leaves for money is often not somebody that you're going to probably want to try to maintain a long-term relationship with anyway, because in their mind, they've boiled this relationship down to money. And in our mind, as a manager tools manager, somebody who cares about our directs and invests in them, the relationship is not just about money, right? It's about them as a person. So again, this is actually a net relationship win yes. for you as the manager. Absolutely. All right. Third possible outcome. You counter and the direct leaves anyway. I think this is the worst possible outcome. I think what most managers fear is if I don't counter, the direct's going to leave. And I'll just speak for myself. I know when I was in this situation, I never thought about I'll counter and the direct will still leave. <laughs> I'm very embarrassed to say. And yet it's the worst possible outcome. But I think, I don't think I'm alone in that, particularly as a you know, new, new manager. Um, we think that if we throw money at it, it's going to solve the problem. We don't stop to realize that it might still not actually solve the problem. Uh, so this is the worst outcome because there's relationship damage. Because we as the manager, right, we've spent our political capital and we've gotten no return on that investment. Right. And, and the issue not only affects the relationship you have with the direct leaving, right? Because there's some embarrassment on their part. If you make them a counteroffer and they leave, there's a decrease in the emotional bank account there. You're embarrassed, yes. they're embarrassed. You might be more than embarrassed. You might be angry, 
um, you're certainly disappointed. It damages that relationship, but it also damages the relationship with the folks in the organization where you had to spend your political capital to get this counteroffer out there. And the people that you still have to work with every yeah, day. Exactly. Are you suggesting that they might actually know that you made a counteroffer? <laughs> yes. Wait, wait a minute, but, I, but I, I'm keeping it a secret. I think we have a podcast about there's no secrets. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. And, and chances are, I, I would even go a step further where I can say, not only do people that you work with know that you may counteroffer, your other directs are going to know because in most cases, the direct who leaves is going to tell those folks. No. Yeah. No, but we're, we're professionals. We're supposed to keep that stuff private. We're not supposed oh, to share that kind of information. <laughs> like we're not supposed to sh share salary information. And if only we all did only the things that we should do and never okay. did the things we should not. Right? Okay. All right. Yeah. So again, it's going to damage relationships. It's going to damage relationships with other people you work with. It's going to damage relationships with your other directs who are staying, who are not leaving. And there's going to be a damage to the relationship with your direct who's leaving. Most of us as managers, we we start feeling like, hey, you know, he got he went and got this competing offer behind my back. He didn't talk to me. I went through a lot of trouble believing it would be worth it to try to get a counter offer for him or her, and it wasn't. And so there's going to be some negative emotion there. So it's going to make it very difficult. It's going to be pretty unlikely, not impossible, but fairly unlikely that this is going to be somebody that you're going to maintain a relationship with in the long term. Yeah. So there you go. Net relationship loss in loss. this case. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And All then, right. And the and the last possible, right. The fourth possible outcome is you counter and the direct says. Now, the mistake that we make here is that we think that the direct staying saves the relationship. And this is the one that we probably hope for as managers. If I counter, then my direct is going to stay. And then I won't have to go through all of the work of finding somebody. But just because they stay does not mean suddenly that you have a great relationship with this person. It's the same relationship that you had previous to them going out and finding, uh, getting an offer and you countering. And yeah. clearly- Money doesn't buy love, right? Money doesn't <laughs> buy love. Can't buy me love. So clearly it wasn't that good of a relationship, right? Because they went through all of the trouble of, of going out and getting that offer. If they stay- that's not really a relationship. That is unemployment, which, okay, technically it's a relationship, but it's, I think we would all agree it's not much of one. It's not a relationship that's going to lead that direct to high performance. The relationship that was bad enough to justify the direct getting an offer, unbeknownst to us as the manager, is going to be now even more about money and less about communication than ever and a relationship that's just about money, again, that's not a good relationship. That's not the kind of relationship that makes directs want to answer your phone at 10 o'clock at night like I did last night <laughs> <laughs> on a Saturday night <laughs> to ask if I could do this recording, right? Clearly, that's not a relationship that's just that's about money. Yeah. And a counteroffer, guys, think of it this way. Counteroffer, basically, you're just buying your direct off. And it's probably usually only going to be for a relatively short period of time. It doesn't lead your direct to deliver better work, better results. It means they're going to keep doing the same work they did for before, but now you're just paying them more money. So it's the same work for more money. 
So bottom line, counter offers that we make and our directs accept erode the relationship, making it much more transactional and economic. Yeah, they stay, but the cost is undermining the core of what makes for great performance. So this is net relationship loss. Yeah. Like if we have a trusting relationship with our directs and a few thousand dollars oughtn't make much difference, right? No. So, you know, or putting it in a different way, if a few thousand dollars does make a difference, then we don't have the kind of relationship that leads to high performance. Right. Like you said, a counteroffer doesn't change any of that. Absolutely. Cool. So on to our point seven in this marathon topic. This reminds me of the handshake podcast where there were like 13 steps or something. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that one, maybe, maybe a video would have, <laughs> would, would, have helped. would have helped a little bit. Although watch commuting and watching a video for manager tools might be a little hard, a little just, hard. just suggesting and we don't want to contribute to fatalities on, no. the, on the roads. So point seven, be willing to explain why. And this is be willing to explain why we're not going to counter. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the directors come to us, your directors come to us, come to you with a competing offer. You follow the steps, you've congratulated them, you've asked about the offer, you've learned what you can about that offer and the new opportunity, you've gotten some information about the timing. Now what do you do? At this point, we have to decide whether we're going to kind of take some time, put our thoughts together, write our speech out, or are we simply just gonna tell the direct, hey, there's not gonna be a counter. As a general rule, if you're not pretty sure that you can deliver your point confidently, then wait. Make some notes. Practice. Practice? Really? Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Like like stand in front of a mirror and practice saying saying what you're going to say? Absolutely. And you don't have to do it in front of a mirror. You can just, you can say it out loud as you're commuting. If you're, you know, if you're by yourself <laughs> in your car, you can say it. Particularly yeah, if I'm mirror. next to you in the car next to you so I can watch because that's always fun. Yeah, it would be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, you can say it in the mirrors you're getting ready for the day. It's, it is important to say the words out loud. That's what actually practicing means. You don't get to just say it in your head silently and say, oh, I practice. Actually saying the words out loud, there's, there's huge power that comes from actually hearing yourself say the words. Have you ever done that before? Like practice A couple of times, once or twice. Yeah, yeah, folks, if you've been to one of our conferences and you've seen Danny present, you know just how fantastic she is and regularly gets 100% net promoter scores. And if you know anything about net promoter, that is an unbelievable, unbelievable score, okay? I mean, she wasn't born that way. Well, maybe she was. No, but, <laughs> I was not. You know, she wasn't born that way. She got that way by practicing literally hundreds of hours of standing in front of a mirror and standing in front of a camera, practicing what she was going to deliver. That's yeah. what makes great presenters. And in this case, in a small way here, you're making a presentation. You're being, you're in a persuasive moment. And the way you get there is you practice. You prepare for the moment. You know what words you're going to use. You know how you're going to say them. You know the tonality. You've practiced it. And if you know it cold, then you're not nervous and you can deliver it it flawlessly. Maybe not the same exact way you practiced it, but very well. So folks, this is a lost art. You can apply it in this situation. You can apply it in many, many situations. If you have to give a speech, even if it's 30 seconds, practice it. Yeah, write, write some notes down, put some bullet points together and just say them over and over and over again. I think a, a big reason why a lot of people 
don't practice more besides the, just the pain of, of it is there's a little bit of fear of if I practice it a bunch, I'm going to sound, it'll sound rehearsed. It'll sound insincere. And seriously, guys, you cannot practice that much that it, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's a, that's not the number one reason though, that people don't do it. No, I think that's one of the, I think that's the reason they give because it sounds very logical. Yeah, it sounds good. But the real reason is they're lazy. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I put myself into that, into that category, but okay. Cause it's work. It takes time. It's work. Yeah. It's work. So there's nothing wrong with waiting. If you want to wait overnight, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes this might be uh, made problematic by the direct giving us a short time frame, but do not let their imposed sense of urgency cause you to rush into a conversation that you're not ready for. And them having an offer for which they want a counter offer puts them on the other side of the relationship fence to some degree. Them pressuring you regarding time puts them even further over that fence. So take a night. And a little bit as a, of an aside here, don't be surprised if your directs seem uncertain about timing or they start applying more pressure than you think is warranted. And maybe they may possibly even do it a little bit clumsily. Part of that is because they've probably never done this before, or if they have maybe only once or twice and they don't really know what they're doing. And when this happens, just keep in mind Right, that they don't really know what they're doing. And they probably maybe have been prepped by a recruiter who's telling them. And the recruiter does not have your best interest in mind. That's right. And if they're really good at this and they've done it many, many, many times, probably not somebody you want, you want on your team. Right, right? right. So they're likely to do it poorly. All right. So we have a couple of examples, Mike, right, of how, how this little speech might sound. Yeah. So in the first example, we're going to assume that it's going to be hard to lose this person, that this is really somebody that you're sad is, is leaving. And in the second example, we will be disappointed because we might have been surprised, but we're not exceptionally so. So this isn't somebody that we're terribly disappointed over them leaving. Also, a side note here, we try to avoid compound sentences by avoiding commas. You have one idea, you deliver it in one sentence. The more commas you add, the harder the practice is and the easier it is to make mistakes. So keep your ideas to one sentence that you can deliver kind of crisply. That makes, makes it more likely that you'll deliver it effectively. Right. And effective managers don't make communication delivery mistakes in tough discussions. Again, even if that means practicing. All right, so let's tell them what it sounds like. Here's the first example where we're gonna be sad to lose this person. I've decided not to counteroffer. I would love for you to say, I don't feel I can compete with that offer. Look, you're good at what you do. People of your skills will always be able to find opportunities. And for your sake, I'm really glad that you have. It's my job to be good enough to keep you. And clearly I didn't do that well enough in your situation. I'm very sorry for that. Now, at this point, you might've said enough. But if you want to share more, here's what we know has worked for some other people in this situation. Regarding the counteroffer itself, it's generally not a tactic that I use. Generally, a counter means we have a chance of keeping someone, but it's usually only for a while. And it can also mask other problems beyond compensation that are harder to change. That means sooner or later, we're probably going to lose you. 
look, we believe that you have a lot to offer this organization and we believe we have a lot to offer you and I want to, I want you to stay. But if I haven't shown you why to stay well enough by now, that's probably a hard situation for me to change. I'll certainly do my best to work on areas that I have control over, but I won't counter your offer. Okay. Now, can you go even further? Yeah, absolutely. Again, if this is something you're willing to say, <laughs> this is what it might sound like. And look, I want you to stay. I want you to stay without the counter offer. That's probably a weak position for me, but there it is. This is your call. I'd really appreciate if you would please keep me posted. Yeah. You know, I love that. If you're willing to say it, it's, it's powerful. Very powerful. You know, just in the sense of, of giving the person an out, something they can respond to and decide to stay. Because for the person who has come to you in this situation, if they stay, there's some level of embarrassment they're going to have. And they yeah. know they've, they've, you know, tweaked the relationship a little bit. And so you got to give them an out. Or you don't have to give them an out, but if you do, um, it makes it easier for them to stay. For them to stay. Which is what we want, in this case, is what we want to do, right? Absolutely. It's, it gives them a little bit of an opportunity to, to save face. I could definitely picture a direct in this situation saying, you know what? Thank you for saying that. You know, when you put it that way, it really makes me want to reconsider, you know, things that I, maybe I hadn't thought of. I mean, it, it absolutely opens the door for them to possibly step through. Okay. So there's, <laughs> so there's, a, there's a problem to this. What if this is somebody we really don't want to stay? It, and it's almost a convenience that they're leaving. What do we say then? This is going to be a little bit shorter. In the previous one, there was a little bit of persuasion going on where, where we were hoping to influence them to stay or, or trying to influence them to stay. This one, we're not going to try to influence them to stay. So it's going to be shorter. So this is what it sounds like. I've decided not to make a counteroffer. For the record, that's not something that I normally do. I know, though, that means that it's more likely that you're going to resign. And obviously, that's disappointing. And I understand why you would choose to go. It's a good offer that you got. I'd really appreciate if you would please keep me posted on your decision. I love that. That's a great offer. You'd be a <laughs> fool not to take it. <laughs> no, okay. I'm sorry. You probably don't want to say that. No. <laughs> I don't know. Unless you're really desperate. Then, folks, if, you, if you're feeling that way, you probably should have fired the person. But that's another conversation completely. I have said that to some folks. Wow, that's a great offer in your situation. I would probably take it. Well, I'd take it too. <laughs> Can you get me a job? <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So two different speeches, right? One for the person we want to keep, one for the one that we're less uh, enamored with, that we're more okay if they leave, one a little bit longer than the other. And if you have show notes, if you have a license, you can, you can read the show notes and you can get that speech and you can print it out and you can just practice it over and over again. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling bad that that last speech sounded very familiar to things that have been said to me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. I thought they were just being kind. Oh, well. <laughs> Now, some of you may have been wondering, as we were going through those two speeches, uh, you might have thought about the podcast we did called Welcome Today, where we said you as the manager are now, quote unquote, they. It's unprofessional to blame our boss if we go to our boss about the counteroffer and our boss says no. It's unprofessional to say to your direct, hey, I tried to get you a counteroffer and the boss said no. When we say I 
in those speeches that we just went through. Don't confuse who made the decision with how we are obligated to communicate about that decision. Mm, good point. Yeah. Don't throw your boss under the bus with your direct who's likely going to be leaving. Yeah. I'd like to counter offer, but yeah, but, but Mary says I can't do it. No, right. you can't say, you can't right. say that. Or even the organization I've, I've heard, I've actually had HR staff tell me, oh, just tell them that we don't counter. It's, it's a policy. Right. And, and again, that's kind of, that's throwing the organization under the bus. I, yeah. Oh, well, I'd like to, but you know, we just don't do that around here. No, a, a professional manager takes the responsibility of the decision. Right. And it's rarely true that they never counter offer. Right. <laughs> right. So then your direct knows that you're lying. Right. So no, don't do that. So, not good. All right. And it's likely, depending on the direct, that you're going to get different responses here. The responses to this kind of communication and the lack of a counteroffer vary widely. Some directs immediately resign, which we think is dumb, but whatever. Some directs think that this removes their obligation to communicate to you. Their ego gets involved. You know, there are all kinds of things going on with them right now that, that lead them to start withdrawing. We may have to continue asking as often as every day for our directs to keep us informed about what they're doing. Right. And don't make the mistake of allowing them to withdraw. There is an absolute value in the communications that could happen day to day. The direct is wrestling with the decision. Until they've made the decision, you have the ability to influence. So what is, assuming, assuming it's somebody you want to keep, you know, you know, reach out every day and say, hey, how's it going? And, and if you have a good relationship, they'll share with you some of the thoughts that are going through their head and you have an ability to influence them. So don't have this one conversation, then walk away from it thinking it's, it's, you know, you're necessarily going to be successful with it. You know, go back until they made the decision. They haven't made the decision. Absolutely. I know in my career, there have been times where during that time frame between I got an offer and I accepted the offer, there were things that could have been said or done. There were interactions that could have happened that would have greatly influenced me one or one or the other. That's right. And what ended up happening was communication from my boss and others in the organization who knew that I had received an offer just shut down. I mean, it was as though I was persona non grata and I hadn't even accepted yet. And that sure made the, the pain of leaving this organization that I loved a lot less. I was like, wow, this is how they, they're going to treat me. And I haven't even taken the, the offer yet. Right. Yeah. Good so, point. We kind of went by that two by two matrix. You know, if, if you don't make the counter and they stay, it's a win. But just I just want to reinforce that if they do stay, it's a huge win. The person has walked away from what they thought was a better offer to stay with you. When they've made that decision, they're going to want to justify that decision. They're going to be looking for the benefits. They're going to try to prove that they made a good yes. decision. People don't want to make decisions and feel bad about it. They want to feel yes. good about it. And so knowing that and then knowing that they were looking to leave or looking at other offers, you double down on the relationship piece and you have a chance to walk away from this thing with a much better relationship with that direct and a more committed direct to the organization. Sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it is absolutely true. You, you have that opportunity. It's a bad situation and you can turn into something better than you even had initially. So. Absolutely. All right, last point. Point number eight, yeah? Ask for further communication. 
So this is kind of continuing what we were just talking about, about continue to stay in touch with them and ask them to keep you updated. So now you're going to start the process of recovering from the mistake that essentially got you into this mess to begin with. Right. Which was not having enough or a strong enough uh, relationship with them to see the sign of this person getting ready to leave. Right. There are all kinds of things that were that were going on with your direct that they were doing. They were getting their resume ready. They were interviewing. They were preparing to interview. They were talking to people. And those things don't happen in a vacuum. Those things don't happen with no signs, no clues going on in their day-to-day work with you. Right. And so clearly there were some signs there that that you did not see. The problem with situations like these is that our awareness of the problem is dramatic and sudden. It's kind of, oh no, I can't afford to lose someone now, right? That panic mode that we go into. This leads us to think that the solution is also a dramatic and sudden response, which a counteroffer is kind of a dramatic and sudden response. But the solution is not dramatic, it's boring. It's not sudden, it's daily, it's weekly, it's repetitive, boring, not sexy, not pretty. It's one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, delegation. I think we've talked about those things in other places. Yeah, the best best managers we know are, in fact, boring, right? They just grind it out every single day. They don't create a bunch of drama. Right. (laughs) It might be fun for them. It's not fun for the organization. Right. The best managers are the ones that you never hear about in dramatic ways because they're not creating drama. They're not behaving in a way that leads their directs to act dramatically. They're just doing the boring stuff day in and day out. So if your direct has stayed, start practicing wellness with that relationship now. Don't wait for another big sudden blow up. Don't wait for another big fire. Talk to your direct about wanting more communication. And we have another little speech for you. So here's what it might sound like. Listen, I really regret not seeing the signs that you were thinking about leaving. Clearly, I could do a better job of paying attention to the signs that I missed. I made an assumption that many managers do that our directs are thinking like we are. I'm staying, but I shouldn't have, and I hope not to do that in the future. It would help me greatly if you would be willing to talk to me more about what you want and how I can help you get it. I don't have as much power as I'd like to have, But the more time I have to work things out and the more I understand, the better our relationship is going to be. Can you please work with me on this? Can you help me with this? I suspect some people would think of that as swallowing their pride a bit. Yeah, it is. You're admitting to your direct you've made a mistake, that you didn't do some things as well as you could have. Absolutely. This is something I talk about every week during our effective manager communications conference, when we talk about telling your directs before you're, you start using the Trinity, right? You're going to explain to your ex before you start doing one-on-ones. You're going to explain to them before you start doing feedback, coaching, and delegation. And sometimes managers ask me, well, isn't that kind of like showing them that I don't really, up until now, I haven't known what I was doing? And I said, yeah, absolutely <laughs> is. And guess what? It won't be a surprise to them. <laughs> and I say, I said, guys, they know it already. They know that you you don't know everything. They know that you're not as good of a manager as you could be or they would like you to be. Yeah, I mean, Dilbert exists for a reason, right? It's- Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it is swallowing our pride a little bit. 
But I, there's, there's an old saying, pride goeth before the fall. And guys, you just felt what a fall was like. You came pretty darn close to it, right? Your, your direct was clearly unhappy enough to go through everything it took for them to get that offer. So it's better to swallow soft, swallow a little pride, than to fall hard and have that direct actually leave. Yeah. And what about if they actually do leave? And what about if they do leave? Yeah. What should, we, what should we be talking to our departing direct and about what and between their announcement and their departure, what do we do? What do we, what do, we do about all that stuff? I mean, there's, there's more coming. Yeah. If we answered all that, this would be the never ending cast, the cast without end. <laughs> right. And so folks, that's why this podcast includes chapter one. We have several more chapters to come um, to address many of those questions. Great. We got through it. We did. So quick wrap up, congratulate them, find out what you can about their new opportunity, get as much information as you can. It's going to make the rest of the process a lot easier. Admit it will be hard to lose them if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Ask how they plan to decide and when. Again, get more information about the process that's going through their head. When a counter office is suggested, demur without data. You need data to be able to even decide whether you want to counter offer. And regardless of how much data you, you get, don't make a counteroffer, which is kind of the, the core of the, the cast here. Be willing to explain why you're not going to make the counteroffer. And we gave you some suggestions on how to do that, some words that you can actually use to have that conversation. And then ask for further communication during the rest of the process. Just because we feel guilty that we are caught unawares doesn't mean we need to make a rash decision. Remember what Danny said about drama. We don't need to address drama. We don't need to respond to this huge fire. Most counter offers fail. They take a lot of time. They spend a great deal of your political capital with your boss and other members of your team and spending political capital on a direct who has chosen not to communicate and is threatened to leave is strategically disadvantageous. Don't do it. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long, folks. 